0: Get ready, Avalanche Territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content, Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Welcome in again, everyone, to the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Evans, once again presented by the fine folks at TNT Home Services for all your plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical needs. Take advantage of their great deal that they have going on right now, where for just $29, they will come out and make sure your AC unit is working properly with the hot weather right around the corner. Give them a call, 720-500-1979, or at com. TNT Home Services, we got your six. So the Avalanche did it. Didn't even need the gentleman's sweep. Made it the regular sweep and blew away the Nashville Predators in four straight games. And even though we anticipated it would be a pretty easy series to see the way that they went out and dominated, leading for the entire series until just a few minutes in the final game, that is the definition of dominance. The Avalanche becoming the first team to have a playoff sweep in which the margin of a goal difference was over 20, 20-plus, 20 and having over 175 shots on goal during the course of that uh, four-game sweep. They were dominant. So I just want to get into some of the observations of this, of this first-round series before we turn the page to the second round. But a couple things that stand out. First things first. Yes, the Avalanche were dominant, the skill level was on display, the depth was on display, but I think what really shined through to me is there is a focus. We joke about Mission 16W, but there is a sense that this team is on a mission, and I thought it came through, and one of the benefits of being able to watch the national broadcast is you, you do get these these national announcers who are, are bringing sort of a fresh perspective to what they're watching with the Avalanche, but also what they've learned in talking with members of the Avalanche. And they kept talking about how, wow, this, this team's really okay with talking about Vegas and talking about what happened last year and what went wrong. And, and truly, I've been covering sports a long time. That is unusual. You don't have many teams, players who are okay with living in the past. Most times teams and players they want to be oh no that's that's that that was last year that was that's in the past that's a different group of players that's a... but this team embraces it and feeds off of it and there's no doubt that this is a hugely motivated and hungry team that is determined desperate to go out and and really right the wrong of last year and apply the lessons. Painful lessons that they learned last year, and boy, I saw that on display in this series. You you see the focus, you see the intensity, you see the business like approach. Even after sweeping a series, it's on to the next one. This is we are nowhere near close to where we want to be. So that's one observation that came out of it. Kale McCarr, Kale freaking McCarr. All hail Kale. Wow. And I i don't think it was a coincidence that he had the series he had. How about this? Kale McCarr had more points by himself, 10, than Nashville had in the entire Series 9. That's how dominant he was. And this went beyond, in my opinion, this went beyond just him going out and wanting to have a, a really good series for the Avalanche to set the tone and get this series under their belt and move on to the next one. He was motivated by the fact that Roman Yossi was on the ice. And we understand that Yossi, McCarr along with Victor Hedman, the finalist for the Norris trophy, best defenseman. And while there's, there's still a a chance that Kale McCarr wins it. The favorite is Yossi. The, The Vegas favorite is, is Roman Yossi. And you, you can't help but, after watching this series, think that Cale McCarr was out to accomplish two goals. One, hey, let's get the avalanche into the next round. Two, let us leave no doubt as to who the best defenseman on the planet is after this head-to-head matchup with Roman Yossi. McCarr was dominant. McCarr was unbelievable. 200 feet. Both ends of the ice. And... When you start talking about Kale McCarr and what is possible with this guy, I don't think it is a stretch. I honestly don't. This early in his career, I do not think it is a stretch to say this guy can and probably should go down as the greatest defenseman of all time. I know that is a monster statement to make. I know that there are some unbelievable defensemen, Hall of Fame defensemen, legends, legends, and I'm saying that Kale McCarr could surpass all of them. Yep, I'm saying that because he plays the, he plays the position in a way that that honestly I've never seen. You're you're taking a guy who is clearly the most athletic defenseman in the in the NHL today, and that shows up on the offensive end, and it shows up on the defensive end. If and if there's something that maybe you learned as an Avalanche fan that maybe you hadn't been watching the team as closely as you wanted to or could throughout the course of the year. Maybe it stood out to you, wow, this guy is really good on defense. I knew he was good on offense, but I'm, I, I was so impressed by how good he was on defense. You saw that in this series. And w- when you talk about what he brings, the skill set he brings, the athleticism that he brings, and then you understand the, the, the players, you can, you can argue right now in the NHL. You can argue, hey, are the players today as skilled as the players from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? You can debate that. One thing you can't debate, they are more athletic, bigger, stronger, faster than they've ever been. And McCarr is the bigger, strongest defenseman of them all right now. So when you start talking about where he fits historically, I don't think it's a stretch. When you look at his skill, which is jaw-dropping, add in the athleticism he plays at, I think he's already putting up numbers. Is there any reason to think that, assuming good health, knock on wood, that if this is a guy that's able to go out and play for the next 15 years, let's say, right, which defensemen can play well into their 30s, late into their 30s, is... He's going to put the numbers up. So the numbers will put him up there with all the all-time greats. But just the style in which he plays, I think, could separate him. And, and again, I know that's a monster statement when you're talking about all-time great defensemen, just all-time great defensemen as is, like guys like Ray Bork and Larry Murphy and um, Nicholas Lidstrom. But then you start talking about the real offensive-minded defensemen. You're talking about the Brian Leeches and the Phil Housley's and the uh, Paul Coffey's and the, dare I say, Bobby Orr. I've I i I've watched a lot of hockey over my time, and I'm here to tell you, I think Kale McCarr could go down as the greatest defenseman ever to play the game. And, boy, you, you saw some examples why in this series. Other observations. Um, good to see Gabe Landeskog really come back and show no ill effects, no rust from that layoff that almost two month layoff following the knee surgery. I think there was some maybe some conditioning issues that maybe popped up near as the series went along. There was some adrenaline that was kind of fueling them early on, and I think you maybe saw some of the um conditioning issues, but in terms of just getting back to being able to play hockey at a high level, boy, nope, no issues at all so That's a great sign. And now he can use this break to continue to work on his conditioning. And Gabe Landeskog should be 100% ready to roll. Uh, The the depth that we saw on display in this series, my goodness, when you have everybody healthy and it leads to healthy scratches for Logan O'Connor at the beginning of the series and Alex Newhook at the beginning of the series, wow, that is impressive. But how... How impressive was it that Logan O'Connor, when called upon following the injury to Andrew Cogliano, the way that he played, uh, and the way that he showed out, uh, he was terrific. And it's gonna be tough to get him out of the lineup. So you had that that end of the the end of the roster, the fourth line. That they were making an impact throughout the course of the series. Uh, some other positives throughout. Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon has he scores in every game in the series, and it's almost like, yeah, he was good. Yeah, he was solid, but how about Kale McCarr, right? I mean, that's saying something when, you know, Nathan McKinnon is playing as well as he's playing. He's kind of rele- relegated to the uh, riding shotgun role. He's uh, he's robbing to Kale McCarr's Batman right now. Um, it, very important for Nathan McKinnon to get off to a good start, right? This is a guy who we know. He runs hot. His intensity burns hot, and you know he's putting a ton of pressure on himself. And I, I, I thought that was interesting at the beginning of the series when right before game one, he was asked about the importance of game one. And he said, yeah, you know, we want to go out. We want to we win game one. But, you know, if we were to lose, it's not the end of the world. You know, we'll bounce back. And we've had series before where we've won game one and didn't end up winning the series. So he was almost kind of like, I thought, I thought he was trying to uh, internally – Ease off some of the pressure. Let some of the pressure off himself. Uh, that that it's easy for him to put and pin on himself. Relieve some of that pressure. Go out play, and, and he had a terrific series. Uh, other observations: Jared Bednar seems to know this roster really well. He pushed all the right buttons throughout the course of this series, and feel really good about Bednar, you know, being the guy to take this team to the Stanley Cup. I think that I think. Uh, the the other some of the other observations goaltending darcy kemper boy what a what a potential disaster averted right i think we're all in agreement right we're on agreement no matter what questions we may have about darcy kemper and this has been an ongoing conversation that we've had here on the mile high hockey podcast all season is darcy kemper the guy right can can darcy kemper be the guy and what's pretty much the consensus opinion he, he looks like he could be the guy. There's nothing that he's done that shows he, he can't be the guy or shouldn't be the guy, but we won't really know until we know, right? We, we won't know that he could be the guy to take the avalanche to the cup until he does it. But, but while there may still be some uncertainty about Darcy Kemper that way, what is not uncertain is the idea is they, they can't win the cup without him. I don't know if they can win the cup without him, but I definitely know they cannot win the cup. Uh, without him, and and the the possibility of him being out for a significant amount of time when he took that uh, stick, the blade in the uh, in the in the face mask from Ryan Johansson, and and the possibility at the time that wow this guy could be could could be out out out, what would that mean to the Avs chances? And it was immediately like oh boy, hey we might like Pavel Fransos, but th- th- he he inspires. Really, very little confidence. There may be some uncertainty about Darcy Kemper, but at least there's some confidence there that he can be the guy. If if you have to move forward without Kemper, that changes things. That changes things. So the fact that he averted disaster and he should be fine moving ahead in Game 2 or Series 2, huge lift. Huge lift. Because while I would not completely eliminate the Avalanche if they had to move forward without Kemper, I'd have some serious doubts about whether or not they'd be able to pull that off uh with Pavel Franzos. Sorry, they're, they're, nothing against you, Pavel, but there there is a difference between you and Darcy Kemper and the Av's need Kemper if they have any chance of trying to win um the cup. So now we look ahead to uh, round two, and one of the immediate takeaways from the Avalanche sweep was you had some folks who were trying to apply the the brakes to what the Avalanche accomplished by sweeping Nashville and what they did was they referenced last year against St. Louis in round one dominated St. Louis. In fact, you can make the argument. I will make the argument that the avalanche were more dominant in sweeping St. Louis a year ago than they were in sweeping Nashville this year. Same four Oh sweep last year, but they, uh, they, they had a, a margin they scored 20 goals in that series. Uh, They scored, actually, more goals in this series against Nashville, one more. But the Avs did have that really hard-fought, could have gone anyway, overtime-winning game two. In the series against St. Louis last year, they were never challenged. In fact, in three of the four games, the margin of victory was three. That's the closest margin of victory that the Avalanche had. Three goals. They didn't have any squeakers. They didn't have to grind out a, a a one goal win against St. Louis. They they won all. I think it was um, uh, three games by three goals, and and one by four goals. Complete domination, complete domination. And we know what happened after that, right? Go into Vegas, go into the Vegas series, win the first two. I don't need to horrify you and haunt you with the details, but we know what happened. But my point being is that so you you can't get more excited about what the Avalanche just did to Nashville. You can't take anything out of this series sweep of Nashville and say that it's different than last year. You're just going to keep throwing back in my face, well, they did this to St. Louis, and we all know what happened in round two. I get you, and you're not wrong, but here's where the difference is. What's the difference between this year's Avalanche team coming off a first-round sweep and last year's Avalanche team coming off a first-round sweep Last year's team did not have the Vegas memory in their heads. Last year's team came off the first round sweep of St. Louis and had no idea about what was going to happen to them against Vegas. This year's team, they know. And and that's the biggest difference. And it's a huge difference. Last year's team did not know what this year's team coming off a first-round sweep, knows. And that is a monster difference. Because this year's team understands we've, we haven't done squat yet. We've done nothing yet. Who cares if we swept Nashville? Who cares if we were dominant? Nope. Doesn't matter. And why, why can I be so confident in saying that? Because the Avalanche themselves are not shy. In, in talking about the impact of what happened to Vegas last year. So they're okay in talking about it. We're okay with talking about it. We don't have to shy away from it. It's not the boogeyman. We don't have to be scared of it. We can embrace the fact that, yeah, that's, this is what happened to the Avs last year in Vegas. What do they have to avoid? How is it different? All those things. Where is this team better? How have they shored up the lessons that they learned, the holes that were exposed in the series against Vegas? These are all things that, that the Avalanche are owning. We can own it. And that's why we should feel uh, even more confident about the Avalanche moving forward for this round two as compared to uh, last year. Finally, uh, who to get as a, as of right now as I'm, I'm doing this podcast, uh, the Blues are up three games to two over Minnesota. Getting ready to head back to St. Louis for game six. Uh, now, you know how I feel. I've said this before in, in past podcasts. I think the Avalanche roll through the Western Conference part of the playoffs. I, I, Sorry, I just do not see a team out there that could beat this team four times in a series, in the Western Conference. And honestly, I, I don't think there's a team out there that could beat this team three times in, in a playoff series. I think the Avalanche cruise through the next two rounds. Now, that said, that said, let me be clear about this. Listen to what I say. If there is one team out there in the West that I think could make the Avalanche sweat more than the other remaining teams in the Western Conference, I'd say it'd be St. Louis. So am I um, rooting for Minnesota because I fear that the Avalanche would be ripe for the picking by St. Louis if the Blues were to beat the Wild? No, I'm not saying that. So I want to be clear about that. All I'm saying is if you're looking at the absolute path of least resistance for the Avalanche through the Western Conference part of the the playoffs, I would like to avoid St. Louis. St. Louis is the one team out there in the West, in my opinion, that I think could make the Avs sweat a little bit. And it's because they know how to win St. Louis. And this is a team that's just a few years removed from winning the Stanley Cup. Several of their core right now, we're part of the core that won a Stanley Cup a few years ago. This team knows how to win. This team is not going to be uh, intimidated when it comes to uh, playing the Avalanche in the playoffs. Now, the Avalanche are better, but I do think that St. Louis has an understanding of what this time of year means. They just showed it in a 2-2 series going into Minnesota. Actually, well, they showed it first when they were down 2-1, and then one at home to tie up that series at two and then went into Minnesota and won the pivotal game five on the road and won it con- rather convincingly. So that shows me that St. Louis still has some of that championship DNA in them. I know this is the same St. Louis team that the the Avs broomed aside last year. I, I just think that was a different St. Louis team. I just don't think they, I think they were still kind of caught up a little bit in the glow, the hangover of, uh, of winning a cup. But this year's team I think is, is back to being refocused and hungry to go out and try to get another one. So for that reason, they're they're a little bit more in my mind. They're a little bit more dangerous than Minnesota. Minnesota might be a better hockey team, but Minnesota, Minnesota has no playoff pedigree, right? There's there's nothing they've really done in the playoffs that makes you think. Now that's a team that knows how to win. That's a team that's going to be able to handle going out on the road. That's a team that's not going to be intimidated. See, I, I just I just don't. I don't buy that when it comes to Minnesota, St. Louis. They do. I do. I have some. I have a healthy amount of respect for St. Louis and what they've accomplished, and and how they know how to win, and how they have veterans who know how to win. So that's why, if you're looking at the path of least resistance for the ABS through the uh, Western Conference part of the playoffs, root for St. Louis. But understand, even excuse me, root for Minnesota. But even if St. Louis were to win, I'm not saying, oh no. Oh, no. Here we go again. Another second-round flame-out for the Avs. They're not going to be able to get past St. Louis. Uh-uh, 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 I guess put it this way. Uh, the, the difference is if they were to play Minnesota, I think the ABS went in five. If they play St. Louis, maybe it goes six. But again, do I see any team in the West beating the ABS? Nope. And it's just a matter of who might have a chance to hang around a little bit longer of all the remaining Western Conference teams, and I'd probably say St. Louis. We shall see. The uh, podcast will resume again next week as we'll be uh, uh, into the early part of Avalanche versus opponent to be determined for round two. Look forward to that. In the meantime, as always, please give me your feedback on what you hear in this podcast. You can uh, let me know uh, uh, via Twitter, at Mike Evans 1043 Course during the course of the morning show with Mark Slareth, you can always reach out on the text line 303 713 three zero three seven one three one zero four three just to give me your feedback. Hey, Mike, uh, I know you're doing this right now with Stink, but I got a chance to listen to your podcast. Wanted to tell you this or that. I, I would I would welcome the the feedback. Please please send that in. So again, for the fine folks at TNT Home Services, make sure you contact them. Great people for all your plumbing, heating, cooling, or electrical needs. 720-500-1979 or tnthomeservicesco.com. TNT Home Services, we got your six. We'll see you again next week on the Mile High Hockey Podcast.